Volume 4, Creepy Folklore, from all over the globe, here on the Colored Folklore Podcast. Episode 26, Oceanic Cultures, Island Forest, Yeramayahu. Once, very long ago, there was a young child who squeezed their eyes shut. They didn't move a muscle. They tried desperately to not even breathe. There was a rustling next to them, moving from their feet to their head. They felt fingertips painfully latch onto their shoulders like little pinpricks. And then, when a giant, slobbering mouth began to slowly engulf their head, it became too much, and the child started to scream. Just hours earlier, the child had wandered away from their family, away from their people, hoping to go exploring among the trees. The child had been told ad nauseum, don't go wandering off too far, there are all sorts of dangerous creatures out there. The child scoffed and rolled their eyes. What, like a, a drop bear or a bunyip? Their parents scolded them. Don't take these warnings so lightly. There are elements of the natural and unnatural world that you think you can handle. But trust me, you are not prepared. The child sulked and slinked into the forest. Trust me, you're not prepared. The child mocked as they got further and further away. They picked up a stick, gaining speed and youthful confidence. You should trust that if any of those things tried to get near me, I'd be all like, hi-ya, and whoo Stabbing and slashing an invisible foe, the child found themselves careening deeper and deeper into the grove, when suddenly they felt a presence. They shot their gaze high up into the trees, bringing their hand to their forehead to block out rays from the still-rising sun. They thought they might have seen a flutter of movement at the top of a tree. But nah, nothing out here climbs up that high. Besides, these fish weren't going to spear themselves. The child perked up and shouted, making their way through the trees and down to the lake below. After only a little while, the child had already caught a number of fish, definitely enough to show their family that they could take care of themselves, and they were starting to get a little tired. They spotted the perfect place with a nice shady spot, right underneath a tree. Walking over to the base of the fig tree, the child set down their catch and yawned with their arms spread wide when they heard the snap of a branch from above. The child didn't even have the chance to look up when something came crashing down on top of them. With the air knocked out of their lungs and pinned to the ground by whatever it was on top of them, they couldn't even scream. 
as one by one, little pinchers began attaching themselves, almost like leeches, all over the child's back. Thrashing wildly about, the child could only mule in abject terror as blood began to flow at each one of the pinpoints. It wasn't a torrent, but it didn't need to be. That many wounds, even that small, slowly drawing blood from an already tiny human being, turned that animalistic thrashing into cumbersome, unsteady flailing. The last thing they remembered before their mind crumbled into slumber was the long, red, suction-tipped hand that snaked its way from the child's back and onto their shoulder. The child awoke suddenly in what felt like a dank, slimy well. Everything was black, and water was pouring down onto them, running from their feet to their head. Fighting to get right side up, the child coughed and spluttered and tried to remember how they had gotten there. After a few moments, they remembered the attack. Before they could check their back and shoulders for any wounds, the cave walls started to compress and almost undulate. There was a great rumbling from beneath them, and suddenly, like a geyser, they were shot up and out. Heaving up massive amounts of water, the child blinked at the sudden return of the light and whipped their head around. What they took in made them yearn for the darkness once more. There was a type of creature standing there, licking its chops with an obscenely long tongue. This being was red-haired or had red, scaly skin and was covered in white markings. It shifted back and forth from standing on two feet like a person and crouching on all fours like a beast. It was a little taller than the child and had a head. Wait, that wasn't a well. That thing had just... They were just in... This thing just threw them up. The child dry heaved at the thought and moaned at the realization. They had just been attacked by a Yeremiahu. Some said these things were demons. Some thought they were forest predators. And others, like the child, thought they were nothing but common superstition. It was said they fed from those who gave off a negative aura. Whether that person misbehaved or had misplaced anger, the Yeremiahu would track them, take energy from them, and then would eat them. After drinking an unthinkable amount of water, the creature would then throw up its victim and brazenly take a nap. The beast blinked lazily at the child and curled up onto the ground. It, of course, wasn't worried. It could track the child wherever they went, and it would attack the child again. In fact, it only needed to swallow their prey two more times. The child's eyes flew open wide and they looked down at their skin. A pinkish hue had started to form. The child looked up, mouth agape, and realized all the trees seemed a little taller than before. The process had already begun. 
a Yeremayahu would first feed on the blood of a child, or a tiny adult, then swallow them, and when they threw the person back up, they'd be a little smaller than they were before, and their skin would start to look red. The creature would then feed off the person, again. They would swallow the person, again. And when they threw them up, again, they'd be a lot smaller and a lot more red. Finally, after the third time this happened, when the person was spit back up, they'd have already transformed into another one of the beasts. Tilting their head back to scream, the child saw the beast slowly stir. They clamped both hands over their mouth. They had forgotten. Yeremiahus were notoriously light sleepers. The child's eyes darted wildly in their head. They were stuck like this for life. They didn't want to get any worse. They could get away. They knew it. They just had to remember the warning. What was the warning? <gasps> that was it. The creature only fed on living prey during the day. They didn't or couldn't hunt at night. And things that were dead couldn't provide it with nourishment or airs or both. So they needed to play dead. And they needed to do that now. No sooner had the child laid back down than the Yeremiahu snapped to attention and jumped to its feet. Holding their breath and not daring to move a muscle, the child tried their best to just be still. The creature slowly approached its meal, and the child could tell by its apprehensive approach the beast was debating this change in its prey. The Yeremiahu picked up the child's stick and poked them in the ribs. Terrified and not missing the irony, the child allowed themselves to be poked and prodded before the creature tossed the stick down and simply walked away. After the sounds faded, the child let out a sigh. They had done it. They had managed to... <laughs> the beast came lumbering back at an awkward gait, but leaking a derisive laugh. The child went silent again. How could they have forgotten? The Yeremiahu would often wait to see if its prey was really dead, or just faking it, and the child had played right into its trap. Try as the child might to still stay silent, the beast was well aware of the ruse. It leapt onto their back, feeding first with its fingers, and then drawing the still silent human deep into its mouth before the child started to scream. What seemed like hours later, the child came tumbling from the mouth of the creature and knew their options were now extremely limited. Their body was nearly completely red. White markings had started to line their limbs. Suckers were opening up on their fingers, and playing dead didn't even work the first time around. Looking up into the sky, they saw the sun approaching the horizon as the creature lay down for its nap. 
The child narrowed their eyes and took off like a shot. If only they could outrun the beast until the sun went down. At close distance, the creature was pretty strong and fast, but their number one predatory move was surprise. This thing was on the ground. The child might have a chance after all. A cacophony of sound echoed from above. The child almost ran full tilt into a sapling. Spinning away and continuing forward, the human could see the tree line as the first of the many, many hunters began to descend from the trees. Barreling past creatures that jumped too early and barely escaping the clutches of the beast that jumped too late, the child's legs and lungs were on fire as they careened out of the woods into the rays of the sunset on the outskirts of the village. Laughing fit to burst, the child, whose throat was raw from screaming throughout the day, emitted loud, croaking sounds that alerted everyone in the area. Armed with spears and torches, their family, their people, began to carefully march toward the child. The smile slowly fell off their face as they realized what the villagers must think. Shooting their hands up to ward off the encroaching crowd, the child saw how red they actually looked in the waning sunlight, and suction pads were continuing to open up all along their hands. The child's shoulders slumped, and they looked back at the grove of fig trees. Eyes glowed throughout the forest, matching the torches dotting the border of the village, curling up into a ball between their former people and their soon-to-be creatures. The child thought about how their parent was right after all. They absolutely were not prepared. And, according to the people of Auckland, that is the story of just one creepy, climbing cryptid thought to stalk the mischievous children of their land. Thank you for listening today. All elements used for today's show are in the show notes, alongside contact information for the show. Please have a wonderful day, and make sure to treat yourself and others with kindness. We implore you to please seek out, ingest, and preserve local and global indigenous folklore as much as you can. We truly look forward to seeing you next episode, and thanks again. Thanks again.